Hey guys, this is Naeem and you've reached the Mosaic Church Podcast. So excited that you're part of our listening community and I'd love for you to be even more connected. So check out our website. There's more content there and there's more opportunities for you to get connected in our ministries and events as well. Also, love for you to share this content. If this is blessed to you, I know that God wants to use you to bless other people with it. So share this podcast, if you will. Lastly, would you consider supporting this ministry? This is made possible by other people's generosity, and I'd love for you to pay it forward. Join us to reclaim the message and the movement of Jesus together. So would you consider giving to this ministry? I know that God is able to do immeasurably more through us when we come together. Thank you so much. God bless you. Enjoy. This is, this was definitely a vibe, wasn't it? It was, it was, man. Man, glad you guys are here. Again, welcome. Those of you who are guests here in the, in the room or all watching, this is a perfect weekend to be uh, joining us because we're kicking off, obviously, a brand new series of conversations uh, talking about The Expanse. Now, if you like, love the show, that's great because Ashley will love you. I have not watched the show. Some of you guys are thinking, what is The Expanse, the show? Yes, it is. It is. And, uh, but we're talking about this idea of erasing the boundaries uh, of what's possible in your life. Like as a businessman, as, a, as, a, as an educator, as a college student, as a person, you're just trying to figure out what your next phase of life is, or are you going to get out of a season that you're stuck in right now? What, could, what, would be, what would be possible if you erased the boundaries that you have put? Maybe you don't even know that you put boundaries around what is possible in your life, but could that be, could that be possible that God wants to erase some of those, and for you to step into maybe a life that you really, really wanted to step into for a long, long time. So I think it's going to be fun. It's going to be great. Um, as I was preparing for this, I got a call. Uh, actually, I didn't get a call. I got an email uh, from my publisher. Now, it sounds fancy, but I wrote a book several years ago, and it did pretty well. It, it did pretty well, and uh, it got translated in different languages. And so this publisher uh, emailed us and said, hey, we would love to put your book on Audible. And I was like, oh no. Uh, here's why. If you got, anybody know what Audible is? Anybody should raise your hands if you know what Audible is. How many of you listen to books on Audible? Okay, how many of you say you read books on Audible? <laughs> I do. It's considered reading with your ears. But it's, it's, it's considered that. Okay, so the problem is, is because I have, um, I have a dyslexia and I have dysgraphia. And so what that means, if you don't know, is that it's a serious reading disability, okay? Now, I like, did not know that growing up. That's why I failed everything. And I have only graduated from uh, college. But I did not really realize that it was a disability um, until, until I tried to read my book. Oh, my goodness, friends. Now, that will humble you. Okay, now here's what happens. Here's what happens. You have to read the book in the exact, you cannot mess up right? So you're like, you're in the studio. So the first day I show up, I'm on st in the studio and I tell the people, I'm like, hey, listen, I have all these issues, okay? A lot of issues. I got a lot of issues, okay. But I can't, I, I, it's going to be a situation here. It's going to be a problem. And they're like, no, no, we got you. We got you. And obviously they, they didn't know what the, how intense <laughs> the problem was. And so I start off and I kid you not, the two sentences, I mean, I've written this book. I don't even know. But, but then um, I mess up, and they're like, okay, you got, we're good, we're good, we're good. And like, so three hours into it, we are just done with one chapter, okay? And uh, they're like, okay, let's take a break. 
I'm like, okay, great, uh, good. They're like, hey, next, um, next, um, you know, ne- tomorrow, let's let's just focus on two. Bo- why don't you read? Why don't you practice reading the chapter? You know, the next two chapters, and then we'll just focus on that. I'm like, okay, good. I said, all right, all right, all right. Now you don't understand because uh, this is an issue for me. Right, And I don't know if you have a disability or not, but sometimes you don't live your life thinking about it all day. And you just don't. And I, uh, right before I uh, was go- driving to the studio, I called Peter. Peter Young, who is Kristen Young's uh, husband. And we were just talking, and I told him about how nervous I was. And he was like, man, you do hard things, man. And I was like, yeah, <laughs> I do. Like, he pumped me up. He was like, you got this. You got this. You got this. You do hard things all day. You say, you're a Pakistani. You plan a church. Are you crazy? You could do this. It's nothing. It's a couple of words. That's it. And I was like, I got it. I got it. So I, I, I went in with that, right? And then I realized when I got there, it's not about hard, doing hard. It is impossible for me. Like, I have a disability. And so the next day, next day, I drive up to the studio. No one's there. Yeah. I was like, what happened? So, and the guy comes out. He's like, hey, I wasn't expecting you. Did you not get an email from the publisher? Because they're going to go a different direction. (laughs) Oh, my gosh, friends. It bothered me. I actually was wondering if I should share this with you guys. But it bothered me. I was like, "Uh, okay, all right. So I I just got in my car. I'm like, what? And so I uh, got in touch with the publisher. And he was like, he was like, uh, no, we're not going to go a different direction. It's just that the studio called, and they were like, they don't want to do this project. And I was like, oh. Well, I was like, dude, what? you should have just told me. Like, why? Wh- you just tell me. And they're like, hey, but we're committed. We're going to figure this out. We're, we got this. Let's find someone who sounds like you. And I was like, that's a great idea. That's big brain thinking right there. Let's find a guy, all right? And they're like, okay, so languages. I was like, I speak Arabic. There's Urdu in the book. There's Arabic in the book. There's Indian, like there's Hindi in the book. They're like, okay, let's just go with American, and we'll, you'll find, we'll, just, we'll just, you help them with the other stuff. I'm like, got it. Because the majority of the book is in English. So I'm like, that's good. That's good. And as I was, as I was driving out of that experience um, this week, preparing for this, I thought, you know, I wonder how much, uh, how many of us live at uh, maybe the edge of our our inability or our disability? Or are we comfortably far away from it? Like, are you living in the edge of what is possible for you? Or, or are you shying away? And I got to be honest with you, I had to come to terms with the fact that I said, I have a disability, which is very humbling to say. Now, some of you guys who've been here for a long time, okay, you know this, you see this, because I read scripture and you're like, you just totally changed the words. <laughs> yeah, I did. Here's the thing. It's not necessarily a disability. It's a superpower. I make the sentence better. That's what I do. That's what I just do. Okay, I make it better. You're like, you make scripture better. No, it's translation. Anyways, whatever. Okay? But I wonder, how many of us, are you challenged? Are you willing to step into or go to get to the edge of what's possible? Or you never know what you are able to step into or able to do because you're just comfortable in just the, off the edge. So what if for the next couple of weeks... We talked about this, this, this life of yours, this idea that let's, let's start with erasing some boundaries. Let's, talk, let's start with expanding your imagination, and let's, let's activate this faith of yours to do the things that maybe deep down you know you were meant to do. 
So let's look at that. So what I want to do is I want to start with defining what faith is. And we start with a guy whose life got turned upside down. This guy's name is Paul the Apostle, and he is credited to write a lot of the New Testament. But he was a, grew up Jewish. He, when he thought about faith, it was very religious. It was, um, it was you know, his, his religion. It was not necessarily the faith that we're thinking of, maybe. But then God, and especially Jesus, changed his life. And so he writes a definition of faith, but I think it's profound. I mean, this, this definition is not just a Christian thing or a religious thing. This is so profound. So let's jump right into it. It's Hebrews chapter 11, and it says this. It's three verses. I'll read them out to you. It says, faith shows the, help me out actually, the, we got verses for you, shows the what? Reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things we cannot see, which again, that's profound, right? And then it says, through their faith, the people in the old days, uh, days of old earned a good reputation. By faith, we understand that the entire universe was formed at God's command, and that we, what we now see did not come from anything that can be seen. Now, it takes a minute to kind of go, okay, what did he just read? What is that? But let's start with the first statement. He says, faith shows us the reality of what we hope for. It's the evidence of things we cannot see. So let me ask you, do you even need faith when you are hoping for nothing? When we're hoping for nothing, we don't need faith. And that's why some of us have kind of lost our faith. It's not because of that. It's not because you stop believing. It's because you stop dreaming. You stop imagining a better life. And because we've gone through a pandemic and we've gone through all kinds of things in the U.S., but also globally, we've, humanity seems to be like in despair going, I don't, know, I don't want to hope anymore. Because hope continues to dis what? disappoint. It does. But here he says, hey, 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 here's, the, here's what you need. You need faith only when you need it to work for what you are hoping for. So what are you hoping for that you stopped hoping for? What is something that you go, you know what, Name? I, I used to live in this life that I used to hope for so many things, but I, I've seen so many things gone, go bad in my life, and so many people let me down. I mean, I used, there's a lot of list of people that I used to know. I don't know them anymore. I, I'm not friends with them anymore. They're relatives I haven't talked to in two years. There's so many, so many things that I've just kind of left abandoned. And so here... The writer here, Paul, says, hey, you need faith. You need faith because it tells you what you are hoping for. And if you're not hoping for anything, you don't see or do you don't need any faith in life. And he says that's what the ancients, that's what the old people, they, 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 they understood this. And so he says, and by faith we understand that what is, what is what we see right now, what we see now was created with, by something that we cannot cannot see. What is that doing? That's expanding our mind. That's erasing the boundaries. That's expanding our imagination to see the reality that you want to live in, you are not able to see right now. But that doesn't mean it does not exist. Now, I know it sounds like, okay, this is great, but what does it look like practically? So what we're going to do is I'm going to start with week one talking about people's faith. People's faith that this guy, right, in Hebrews, starts listing. 
And these, these people are like, not like, oh, super religious people. These faiths that we're going to be talking, for, talking about for the next several weeks, one is a murderer, one got murdered. Not a lot of faith there. One was a prostitute. One was a Roman soldier who actually helped kill and crucify Jesus. A woman who was abused by racial prejudice all day long. And this guy begins to list their faith, and so we're going to discover their faith together. So today, we're going to go with the first one, and that is the faith of a centurion. Can you say centurion? Centurion. Centurion. So let's jump right into that passage really quick. This is one of my favorite passages. I love this. If if there's only one passage I could speak about, I would speak about this all the time. I love this. I identify with this so much. So Matthew chapter 8, verses 5. Let me jump in. It says here, it says, when Jesus had entered Capernaum. What did I say? Capernaum. Capernaum, Yes. A centurion came uh, to him asking him for help. Now, really quick, a centurion is a guy who's a Roman soldier, but, 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 he also has other soldiers that report to him, about 200. That's why he's called a centurion, okay? He's Roman. He's not Jewish. So in, the, in this context, Jewish guys, Jesus was what, Jewish or Roman? Anybody? Jewish, right? So these guys are the ones who are oppressing the Jewish people. So a, a Roman soldier starts coming. Just imagine. Let's just find ourselves in the story just a little bit, okay? Are we good with that? Okay. So, so Jesus is there. He's doing his thing. At this point, he's been doing his thing as in healing people, you know, giving out free health care. He's giving, you know, he's doing, he's doing like feeding people. He's doing all kinds of things. The government is not happy with him. The soldiers are not happy with him. Rome is not necessarily happy with him. He's doing all these incredible things. So let's find ourselves in the story. Okay? Say, say we got people who are there for healing, and then there are people there who are like, um, um, I don't know, the disciples. Okay? So you got disciples there. Okay? So who wants to be a disciple? Make some noise. Anybody wants to be a disciple? Okay. Okay. Few. Who wants to be just like, I'm just in the crowd, want to get healed? Okay, a lot of those guys. Okay, a lot of those people. I get it. I get this. Okay, that's cool. Okay, okay so soldiers, where are you? So, no one. No one's a soldier. Okay, okay, okay. Uh, people want to get healed? Okay, people are disciples? Okay, we got more disciples. All of a sudden, we got a few more disciples. So that's the scene. That's the scene. Okay, so the centurion comes up to him and says, hey, I need you to help me. I need you to help me. And he starts off and he says, Lord, my servant lies at home paralyzed, uh, paralyzed uh, suffering terribly. So if you're one of the disciples, you're like, okay, okay, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Find your own Jesus. Because, I mean, you're oppressing us. There is no way Jesus is for the Jews. It kind of, really, it rhymes too. So, I mean, really, we're not doing that. If, 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 um, if you're waiting around to be healed, you're like, oh, hold up, hold up, hold up. I've been waiting in line forever. Like, we're not doing this. We're not doing this. You go, what's going on? Some people in the crowd are probably going, oh, I thought you were going to arrest him. But no, he says, Lord, I need your help. Then it goes on. Then Jesus said to him, shall I come and heal him? Shall I come and what? Heal him. So, so Jesus is told about this need, and he goes... Shall I come and heal him? Now, if you're one of the ones who are wanting to get healed, anybody in the house, right? You're the, you're, the, you're the people, right? Could you imagine if you've been waiting forever and Jesus is like, hey, I'm just going to leave and go with this guy. Would you be a little ticked off, just a little bit? I mean, you're blind. You're like, find him. Someone get him. Someone get him. Someone get him. 
Get him? Nope. No. Have you waited in line for anything? Right? And they, then, the, then the light shuts off. You're like, no. I've been in this line. You got to check me out. Like, no. <sighs> right? But here he goes, hey, shall I just go and heal him? Disciples are like, what are, you, what are you doing? No, 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 no. We do this. We do this. But Jesus is saying, hey, I'll just go. I'll just go with you. And then the centurion does something, which I think is so profound that it, it, that's connected to the main point for today. The centurion replied. He says, Lord, Lord, I do not deserve for you to come to under my roof, but just say the word and my servant will be what? healed what if you're one of the disciples if you are wanting to get healing you're like <laughs> you're funny what what uh, uh just say the word and my servant will be healed are you kidding me right now because if you've been waiting a line for a healing you're like i could have stayed home i could have stayed home i could have zoomed it in like what what what, what what's going on here just say the word. If you're one of the disciples, you're like, hey, 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 listen, Roman guys, you don't know how this works. I mean, have you been around Jesus' miracles? There's all kinds of stuff that happens. And the one time Jesus like made mud out of spit, you remember that? You know how much spit it takes to make mud? <laughs> and then he put it on the guy's eyes. Yeah, just say the word. What is this, Alexa? Like, well, no, Jesus is not that. It's not, no, play healing. No, no, no. It doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like that. But the centurion keeps on talking, and there we find, we find what I think we all need to step into. He says this. He goes on. He says, hey, I'll tell you why. He says, for I, myself, am a man under authority, with soldiers under me. I tell this one, go, and he what? And he what? goes and i tell that one come and he what come. come and i say to my servant do this and he what he does it he does it so what is he doing right now is he like bragging what is what's he saying what's what's he saying here he's like hey, hey, hey listen 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 I, I got authority i got 200 guys under 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 me here and you know if i want a falafel sandwich guess what i'm getting one i'm not going anywhere they're getting it they're doing it if I want anything, they get it for me. And here's why they got to do it. Here's why they got to do it. You know why? Because I have authority over them. But also, if they defy me, they defy the authority that I'm under. So I represent a bigger authority. I represent what? Rome. And I have authority over them. So I have authority, and then I have authority over them. So guess what? If I tell them to do something, they have to what? They got to do it. And so when he says this, Jesus is like, he is, okay, what, here's what he says. Okay. He says, it says here, it says when, when Jesus heard this, he was what? Amazed. amazed. I mean, making Jesus amazed. The guy who walks on water, you amaze him. You amaze him. The, the word here in Greek is thamadzu. Can you say thamadzu? Which literally translates, oh, <laughs> not doesn't, but what? Look at us. He was amazed. 
And I'll tell you why he was amazed. I'm not exaggerating because of what Jesus says right after this. Because see, some of you guys, your guests here, you're like, what's going on? Is this, are we reading the Bible? Yes, this is the Bible. It says, so then he was amazed and he said to those following him, he says this, he says this, okay? He says, truly I tell you, I have not found anyone, what? In Israel with such great faith. Now hold up, hold up. Let's stop right here. Let's just stop. You're the disciples, right? You, you grew up Jewish. You got grandmas and granddads who are Jewish. Jewish. Jewish, Jewish, Jewish. Jewish, serious Jewish. Okay? You grew up in the faith. You have generations of this faith. And then Jesus goes, oh my gosh, you see this guy, the centurion? Yeah, he's not Jewish at all. Okay, and they're probably going to, you know, actually crucify me. But anyways, this one that you know, this guy, his faith, this kind of faith, I have not seen in all of Israel. Which if you are Jewish, you're like, uh, excuse me, have you met my grandmother? Uh, <laughs> just saying. You can't say all of Israel, you know what I'm saying? You can't say, all, you can't say Israel. I mean, this town today. Like Jesus, really, go out more often. Like, really. You can't say stuff like this. You can't. But Jesus goes, no, 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 let me just tell you, let me just tell you. I have not found this kind of great faith. And then he says this, he says, I say to you that many will come from the east and the west and will take their place at the feast with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. And then he says, but the subjects of the kingdom will be thrown outside into darkness where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And then Jesus said to the centurion, go, let it be done just as you have what? Believed it would. And the servant was healed at that moment. Right here in the end passage where Jesus goes, hold on, I think you guys are offended. Let me just tell you, let me just tell you what's happening here. Let me just tell you what's happening. Like, it doesn't matter where you came from. It doesn't matter how, what you grew up in. And it doesn't matter right now the faith that you have right now. I'll just tell you, he said from the east and the west, basically he was trying to give them in context a reality that there will be people who will walk into a, a faith that does not make any sense, that some people think, well, it's only for a few people, but it's not that at all. And he said that the people who are got really comfortable being not at the edge of what's possible, but, but back there to where it's really comfortable, those people will be thrown out, that they'll feel like outsiders, and they'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth, which means they'll have regret. They'll be like, oh my gosh, I lived a life, and I never stepped up to what was possible. I only lived this kind of life. He says, this is the kind of life you don't, you don't want to live. And then he looks at the centurion and goes, like, as you believe, it will happen. So what is Jesus saying? And what is the centurion pointing out? What he's, what he's pointing out is this, that there is a faith that I call a, a logical faith. It's a space. Let's just say the space right here. It's a logical faith. It's a faith that says, uh, this will likely happen, and so I can hope for this, but I can't hope for that because that I just don't see how it's going to happen, but this is, this is good. Uh, and it's not right at the edge of what's possible. It's, it's comfortable. It's a logical faith. I, I get it. It makes sense. I'm probably not going to pray about that. I'll just do this because that's what I got to do. And, uh, you know, I'll pray about that. I'm not quite sure. But this is it because, here's it, you've controlled that. You know this faith. You're comfortable with this faith. It's a logical faith. But then Jesus, with the help of the centurion, points 
or shows us that there is another kind of faith. And it's not here. It's not logical faith. It's like this like irrational confidence. An irrational confidence that doesn't make any sense. An irrational confidence that says that if God said it, and if I heard it, and I believe it, I'll tell you what, it's going to happen. Because if you just say it, it'll happen. And so what, what was he saying? What, how did he step into this irrational confidence? He moved into irrational confidence not because he was Jewish or because he had this relationship with God. No, he just stepped into this moment. So if you're here and you're watching, you just tuned in or you just walked in and you're like, I don't, I don't even know where I believe. I'll tell you what, it does not matter. It seemingly does not matter what kind of history you have being a Christian if what matters is that if you believe right now that there is a God who's speaking to you, and if he says, hey, I want you to follow me, I want you to move in this direction, I want you to believe my words, if you will, he'll do it. It'll happen, regardless of what you might think, oh, no, no, I just don't even know, I have never read the Bible. It does not matter. They'll come from anywhere, and they'll sit at the table. And the table that he mentioned was this table of Isaac, Abraham, and Jacob, a table that says it was only reserved for people who had serious amount of heritage when it, come, when it came to religion. But he says, no, it doesn't matter. It does not matter. And so what was the centurion saying? He was basically saying this. He was like, I'm a guy who has authority. I have a guy with authority because I can tell this one, go and go. And he goes and goes and does whatever because he has to obey me. And basically, the centurion was saying, I don't know. This doesn't make any sense to me. This is not logical by any stretch of the imagination. But if I was just going to step into this irrational faith, this irrational confidence, I would say, you're just like me. But you, you can tell healing to come, and it has to come. You can tell pain to stop, and it has to stop. You, 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 can, you, you can birth something. You can do supernatural things. I think, I think healing has to listen to you. And it's not because you have authority, because I think you are just like me. I think you have authority, but also because you represent someone bigger. Like, healing has to listen to you. It has to. These, these things, this, this, this sickness has to listen to you. Disease has to listen to you. Now, I'm sure because that's why Jesus is the guy in the middle going, oh my gosh, I can't believe this. Disciples and people who are going to be healed, confused. The centurion's like, I think so. I don't know. I'm not, I didn't grow up Jewish. You know, I'm still going to be Roman. I'm just telling you, I think you have power and you represent not just a king on, in this world, I think you represent a heavenly king, someone bigger. And so you have authority. So if you just say it, it has to be done. See, that's it. That's, that, that doesn't make any sense, right? Some of you guys are like, that doesn't make any sense. I know. I know. But when you think about the things that you've been able to step into, like the things, that, things about how things have worked out sometimes in your family or things that have worked out for the good for you. Did it make sense? It didn't make sense how this just, just happened to make 
This person happened to do this? This person happened to be here? It doesn't make sense. You just happened to get this job. You just happened to move to Charlie. You just happened. Like, it doesn't make any sense. So why are we trying to live a life and practice a faith that makes sense? It doesn't. It doesn't. I'm going to tell you right now, me doing what I do don't make no sense. No sense whatsoever. It does not. Sometimes I just stop and go, why am I doing this? It doesn't make any sense. But what I don't want to do is live a life so cozy, so far away from the edge of what's possible in my life that I'm comfortable and safe and good. Because I know what this means. This means I'm always anxious. And who wants to, not, who wants to stop anxiety, right? All of us. But what if we lived on the edge of what's possible? What if we erased the boundaries? What if as a church we did that? Now, in this series, I want to talk about some things that we're trying to attempt to do as a church that are just over the top. And I'll talk to you about those next week. But for today, for you, what is something in your life that honestly doesn't make any sense for you to try? Like you just don't know how it'll work out, but it could work out. It could. You don't know how, but it could. It's not in this logical faith situation. It's in this irrational confidence spot. What is it in your life? Could it be possible that for some of us, you were very scared to even think that way? Maybe it's a loss. Maybe it's like, I just don't know how it's ever going to work out. Or maybe, just maybe, you like, name, I kind of went there a little bit. I kind of went there a little bit. I, I, honestly, for some of you, you were like, Name, I just got just to gotta be real here. I, I think I heard God say something, and I believed it, and it didn't happen. Like, some of us have stories. I've prayed, Name. I've prayed, I've prayed, and I believed a promise, and man, it didn't happen. It didn't happen. And I'm not quite sure about that. I'm not quite sure about that. I will tell you this, though, that as we dive into these stories and we dive into the, the faith of all these people that Paul lists in Hebrews, he ends the chapter with all of the people who prayed and prayed and things did not happen. And he commends them, and they're in the hall of faith for him. And he says something about them that I think is so profound. He says, the world was not worthy of them because they still believed. They still believed, yet they did not see the results on, in this side of the world, on this side of heaven. But they believed, and they stepped into something that was so much bigger, so much wider, more expanse than this life. So what could God be stirring in you to step into that's so much bigger than even this, not this season, not this time, but this life. And you're like, Name, I haven't even dreamed about that. Yeah, I know. I know. But you're, you're part of generations. What could you do? What are you setting up? What's, how are you going to leave this space this time? Man, would you... Would you join me in just attempting, attempting to come close 
to your disability. Like the edge of like, I don't have the ability to do this. And that's okay. God will find a way. But could we come close to sort of falling off? Could we get close to like looking down going, oh my gosh, I can't believe this. Could we do this? I think we need to. I think your family needs to. Your business needs to. I think our lives, our community needs to. You, we need people like this. And sadly, the church has been logical. This is what we are. This is who we are. This is what we do. This is this. We're comfortable. I don't know about you. I don't know about you. I don't know about you. And we are not living this kind of life at all. And so, Mosaic, I say, let's be these kinds of people that are, have an irrational confidence in the goodness of God that we just believe. We just believe for impossible things and attempt impossible things. Let's not be people who never attempt. And then and, and Jesus says, there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. There'll be so much regret. Don't do that. Let's not do that. So can I pray for you? Can we pray together? All right, let's pray. Let's stand together. God, I thank you so much for this conversation. I thank you, God, that a story like this about the centurion reminds us that, that when it comes to you, God, we're all equal. It doesn't matter where we grew up, what we've struggled with, how often we've gone to church or not gone to church, how often we've prayed or not prayed, how much of the Bible we know we don't know, how much of worship songs we surround ourselves with, the God that we can start right now. It is strange to me how it works because I've always felt, God, that spiritual growth is like a process where you just, it's slow and slow and slow, but then there are times that we can all of a sudden, overnight, in a sense, step into a different reality with you, in a different relationship with you. So God, today I pray that all of us would step into a different relationship with you, a different reality with you than, than the reality we walked in with that says that I'm going to believe a little bit more today. There was a time I used to believe so much. I don't believe anymore. And God, the truth is that we don't believe because we don't hope anymore because our hearts are broken. And we just don't want to even care because caring hurts so much. Loss and grief, it just is exhausting. It drowns us, God. But you know that, don't you? You meet us there. But God, I pray for all of us that today we would step into a new relationship with you. So wherever you are right now, would you say, Jesus, I'm going to give you this. I'm going to give you this. And your this is very different from my this, but you know what that this is. So just tell him, Jesus, I'm going to give you this.
I'm going to give you this. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm just going to believe that if you just say the word, it'll be done. It'll start happening. I'm just going to believe it. I know, it doesn't make any sense. I'm just going to believe it. I'm going to believe that when I give you this, you're going to do some supernatural thing with it. When I give you this, 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 this season, this decision, this pain, this, this life of mine, this future of mine, when I give you this, yeah, you're going to hold it with soft hands because I want to believe in fact I'm going to have an irrational confidence in your goodness because this moment is proof that you're good you've allowed us all of us you've allowed me to be in this moment hearing this doesn't know it doesn't make sense why I'm here but I'm here so God I pray that as we respond God some of us might go to the cross some of us might take communion some of us might just sit in this song some of us might need to sing out loud and just break the boundaries God whatever it is God would you erase Erase the limitations. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message from Mosaic Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. For more audio and video content, visit us at mosaicchurch.tv.